ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Hey guys, this week I sit down with Kurt Teaster. We get into appreciating all things hunting, killing his wallet via Tap Tuesday episodes, but the importance on supporting small business. Contrast a little East versus West hunting and being selective in our pursuits. Enjoy the episode. So we're on with Kurt Teaster. Kurt, what's happening, man? I appreciate you sitting down with me, taking that uh, late night East Coast time with me, man. Welcome. Any chance I get to talk to a celebrity, I'll do it. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> You're going to start with a whirlwind of shit, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm coming with it, man. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So, uh, yeah, we can joke, but uh, not everybody knows who you are. So give us a little bit of intro, and then we'll jump into that uh, that hunting and outdoor life. Well, I'm a 54-year-old father of two, married to my high school sweetheart. Uh, we've been together for almost, well, married for almost 30 years, and Got two children just fairly fresh out of college and I'm a in the construction industry. And that's that's pretty much it. So hunting outdoors, man. What uh what and when and what keeps you ticking and well, I started hunting. I grew up in Pennsylvania and uh my family is a bunch of coal miners from West Virginia. We moved to Pennsylvania up there and we lived on a hundred and forty acre farm. And so growing up as a young kid, obviously you love that. And all the time out playing, riding motorcycles, fishing, whatever it was, anything to stay outside, everything kids don't do today. And uh, first time I went hunting, I think I was like eight. Uh, my dad was a hunter. He uh, he would always hunt squirrels, rabbits, and, and deer. And first time I think I was like eight or nine, I went with him. And I was ate up with it ever since. And, you know, we just sat beside him and, you know, watch him squirrel hunt every now and then he'd let you take a shot. But uh, it was all about just being outside and loving it. And uh, 
and in Pennsylvania, you have to be 12, or used to be anyway, before they let you take your hunter safety course. And so, I mean, that was about as big a, an event as getting your, your driver's license. You pass that test. And um, so, but I only got to hunt for really one year by myself before we moved down to Virginia. And, uh, but I had to, definitely had the bug. But once we moved down here, there weren't a whole lot of areas because you didn't know anybody. And so once we got down here, kind of, well, we would go on the bases, Quantico Marine Base, and uh, you could go there and hunt. But it was completely different. It was somebody every 10, well, I guess it was the same as Western Pennsylvania, somebody about every 100 yards sitting beside you. But it was just a different type of hunting, and Dad didn't care for it, so we quit doing it. And once high school and everything started like that, you start doing sports, you get away from it. Got away from it for quite a while. And when uh, I reconnected with some buddies from Pennsylvania, and I started hunting again when I was 24. And in that first year I went back to Pennsylvania, uh, I got my first bucket at 24, a little five-pointer, and you thought he was 180 inches. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, you throw it on top of the car. And <laughs> I was driving a, I'll never forget, I had a, a Sunbird GT. And I had a five-point buck strap across the, the hood of that thing. And uh, it was quite a sight coming down the road. But And I would go back every year. Uh, it was one day a year is all I would hunt. First day of deer season, or buck season in Pennsylvania. And it was a few years later. Gosh, I guess it was actually in 2000. Uh, I started working, started a new job. And one of the guys I worked with was in a hunt club. And he invited me to go. and. That's what really, really got, I guess you could call it an obsession at this point. I know my wife does. <laughs> and uh, a lot of parts of Virginia, they run dogs. I don't know if you, you're familiar with that at all. Not not for deer. I know for bear and for cat, but yeah, I've well, heard of it for it, deer, but, you know, I thought it's it was. It's not my thing. I don't have a problem with, you know, it's it's like a Southern tradition, a lot of, a lot of parts. And, uh, but that was my only access. You know, you could bow hunt, you could muzzle loader, you know, before they started it. But once they started dogs, you didn't still hunt because you didn't have a place to still hunt. And, um, but that got my juices flowing. And then I got lucky and was able to get on some construction sites after that. And it's been pretty much downhill ever since. And so, so the, my uh, wife's oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no. I just said my wife's a good sport. Yeah, they well, I think all of ours are that uh don't partake with us. <laughs> the patience yeah. the patience to deal with a hunter in the house is uh extraordinary in my opinion, man. Yeah, you gotta I say it all the time, you can't underestimate the the value of a good co pilot. <laughs> no, not at all, man. Not at I've all. got a great one, buddy. I'll go I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, I I'm I'm right there with you because I'm one track minded and uh Every once in a while, she'll throw me a look, but for the most part, she leaves me alone. And when it's time to go, she understands. Well, when I'm called Curtis and I'm told I need to do something before deer season starts, I know that <laughs> it's, it's time to get that done. That's right. Yeah, whatever follows Curtis and in between deer season, I know I better get done. Yeah, I've actually, I don't want to say it too loud. She might be right outside here. 
I've actually kind of <laughs> avoided the honeydew list. And usually by this time, anything has like 10, 11 items on it that I better do before I leave. <laughs> Mine could be sent off and be bound. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's got a full three leaf binder. Uh, three the, leaf binder. The, with the wax seal on it. <laughs> yes, sir. But, uh, no, but it, it's fun. I mean, anybody that's never done it. I mean, obviously, it sounds like you kind of started late in life you know, as far as being able to really get out there and do it. And it's, you know, think about all the times we miss not being able to get out there. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. I didn't grow up doing it. So we were at an outdoorsy family. My grandpa was, you know, my uncle were really the guys that started me in the outdoors. Um, my grandpa was a dove hunter, but first and foremost, before anything in life, he was a fisherman. So we spent a lot of times out on the lakes, you know, and, and, when I started getting older, we'd get out on the ocean. He had a boat for that too. I think the guy had three boats in his backyard at one time. And my uncle was the same way, just crazy fishermen. And then they would go on a yearly elk trip, um, here up towards Bishop back in the day when you could actually get a tag, um, without, uh, waiting 20, 25 years. So I used to hear those stories and, you know, get a little tiny sliver of elk and, um, that's always stuck with me, man. I remember seeing my first deer out on Lake Kachuma, which is up in Santa Barbara County here, um, out on my uncle's boat fishing, catching, you know, bluegill by the baker's dozen like crazy and seeing my first deer. And I, re I can remember to this day kind of just being awestruck by it for some reason. Um, oh, yeah. but you know, with, without that exposure, it was something that I always wanted to do. And, uh, you know, early twenties. Yeah, right at the early 20s, man. I just freaking went into it and got my butt kicked forever. And finally, you know, I think I'm knocking on wood. I kind of figured stuff out. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, you get your butt kicked, but, you know, as long as you keep a good attitude and realize, you know, how much you actually have to learn. That's but the hard part, though. I mean, there was, I, I can, I think I want to say it was probably year four or five. And I was like, I'm not even buying tags. My family was young. We were just getting kicked off pretty much. And uh, right. I was like, what am I doing? I'm spending money. It's time away. Um, and I'm just getting my arse handed to me left and right out there. I don't, I think I didn't see a deer probably the first three, four years. I you couldn't know. imagine not seeing them. I can imagine passing on something, but not, shoot, not, oh, not seeing even, it. Well, I mean, okay. So think about it. You're, you're green. You know, nothing. You have no mentors. We don't have YouTube and all this stuff right at our fingertips, right? So you're looking at these magazines. All the shows show these guys, you know, up in tree stands um, and they're arrowing deer left and right. So I'm looking at that stuff and trying to figure it out here. And then, you know, you get out into the woods and you're walking on a freaking hiking trail. Well, what are you going to see on a hiking trail that has 200 people on it in the afternoon every single day? Um, and you just don't know, you know. You just don't know. I remember the first buck I seen with that bow in my hand, though. <laughs> Dropped me to my knees. I was trembling, man. <laughs> I still get like that. I mean, it, it, if I see a doe coming, my heart doesn't beat a whole lot slower than if a buck's coming. Yeah, you know. I, mean, I, I love it. I, I get that. But I'm good when I'm behind the string. You put me behind a rifle scope and put a deer in front of me, and I am a chattering shaking sob man it is it is the weirdest thing i'm not sure i blew a giant buck on catalina last year because of it i could i had my sight on it man and that 
freaking reticle was bouncing up and down on that deer. He was like 300 some odd yards away. And I was like, I can't even take the shot. I just let That's him walk. That's I am too. Yeah, it was well, funny, man. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I've shot, uh, I've only shot two elk. I've been on a few elk trips, but uh, I've shot two. And that's the calmest I've ever been is shooting those two elk. Every other time I have trouble holding the reticle still. I get so worked up, but I was cool as a cucumber for some reason on those two. Yeah. Elk are, yeah. I think elk do something to us that, that you can't explain. I, I'm not sure what, I haven't figured it out yet because I'm pretty new in my pursuit with elk. But there is something about that animal when you're right there with them where it is just like, get it done, get it done now. And and the focus is unbelievable. Well, I don't know. If I was bow hunting and I had one come screaming like you did, I, I'd probably mess my britches. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, my, my uh, gunshots were, were further. And so I was able to think about my shot a little bit, but if I had one of those things screaming at 40 or 50, 60 yards, uh, I don't know how good I'd do. Yeah. You know what the key is or what the key was for me in that scenario is don't look at the antlers. Once you yep, know he's a shooter, I'm not looking at the antlers. I'm focused on, you know, that, that tough the hair that I want to put that arrow on. Cause I think, uh, you know, when I watched that and then, you know, talking to, talking to Morgan there, I was like, man, I'm so glad that I didn't see his antlers. I knew he was a shooter, but uh, if I'd have saw those antlers, man, I would have just lost it. <laughs> Respirations were out of control, man. I trembled for an hour after. But see, I'm cool as a cucumber afterwards. Not I mean, me. <laughs> I'm, I'm just the opposite. I'm a mess before. And if I'm lucky enough to drop them, you know, shoot, it's work after that. Oh, so <laughs> it, I don't, I mean, I, I would be so boring if I had a hunting show because I don't jump up and high five. I see, I, and I don't do, I, to a point, I don't do like the high fives and stuff and like the celebratory stuff. I'm a little bit superstitious with it. So, you know, like playing with my kid playing football and when I was coaching or my daughter playing soccer and whatnot, you know, I'd, I'd always tell them like early on in the game, you know, yeah, you guys score. Don't get all crazy and celebratory and high fiving. And um, I, I, maybe it's a little superstition, but it's like, you know what? Make sure that you are able to start field dressing before I start high fiving and getting all celebratory, <laughs> right. man. It freaks me out. And it's funny. Well, you've seen you've seen my elk hunt from last year and. That's one of the things like I kicked myself in the butt because I was excited, man. And, you know, I pulled up my phone and did the little selfie video for my wife and kids and sent that to them. And after, you know, everything happened, I was like, damn it, it's because it's because I was celebrating right after and I didn't get back on that elk. And, oh, man, I feel like I jinxed it. So we're going to be we're going to be uh, Kurt cool this year if we're able to arrow one. Well, like I say, I, I. I wish I was a lot cooler before the shot. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind falling apart if I saw, you know, something laying on the ground. Yeah. But, I mean, it is, yeah. those elk are just amazing creatures, man. That, that has my full attention. Yeah. We had a couple uh, last year where we go out in New Mexico. It's the first rifle season and it's at the tail end of the rut, but you know, they're still bugling a little bit. And uh, we saw a fairly nice bull about a mile away, and we were able to get around. We thought we were in front of him, but uh, he actually pushed the cows a different direction. But we had some satellite bulls and a couple little raghorns, and we called those in to bow range. They weren't screaming, 
and it, I wasn't up. The other guy was shooting. So I was, I didn't have a you know, reason to get worked up, but it was really cool. And my buddy shot one who turned out it was a decent size elk. I mean, it, out there, 260, 270 is a good, you know, average size bull, which I have no problem with. I'm not a horn hunter. Uh, I say that I pass bucks every year, but if I'm going to shoot a small buck, I'd just soon shoot a doe. I don't have a problem with somebody shooting something smaller. It's just where I hunt, you know, there's monsters running around. If I'm lucky enough, you know, I'll just shoot a doe. I need meat. You know, it tastes better anyway. But no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> That's a contrast, right? And I was having this conversation with, uh, with Amy Hall um, recently. And it's funny to contrast it especially from from a California standpoint, right? You guys let deer grow. We're hunting public land here in California. I mean, even even the private grounds in California, you really, you're risking not doing anything or never seeing that deer again, thinking you're letting it grow. Um, so that's- Well, that's what happens in Pennsylvania where I used to hunt. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I don't know what the stats are. I've heard them, but it's something ridiculous. But- Literally, you'll see somebody in orange in probably three or four different directions from where you're sitting. And if you pass it, that other guy's going to shoot it. And uh, last time I hunted up there, they had just changed over the two. It had to have, I think, in my, our county, four antler, four points on one side. And this little, I think it was a spike or a three-pointer, whatever it was, it came off the hill and I watched it for about 15 minutes and it worked its way across the property line and boom guy shoots and he said man why did you shoot that deer i said because it's against the law and he didn't even know the law he went over there and said well i'm gonna go get somebody to help me drag it never came back he he let that deer die for nothing and you know that that kind of stuff i can't stand but you know if you're just looking for meat i don't care what you shoot you know if it's your first deer god bless you man shoot whatever you want but, you know, like one of the places I hunt, we have a, in Virginia, you're allowed six deer, three bucks and three, uh, three does. You can get six does if you want, but you're only allowed three bucks. And but on this specific farm, the rule is you get one. And it's got to be out past the years and at least eight points. So, I mean, you've seen some of the pictures I've sent. So th- th- there's a lot of good bucks. They've shot a couple 180s off that farm. So I know the monsters are there. So an eight point that most people would shoot, I'll pass up, not because I'm too good. It's because <laughs> it's going to cost me five, 600 bucks to pull the trigger because I got to get back going at the mallet because it's going to be that big. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, instead of paying three bucks a bullet, I'm paying 503 bucks a bullet. And so, you know, it's, but if it's a first timer, shoot whatever you want. I don't care. And there's guys, I mean, there's guys that go after it for years that that aren't very discerning, right? They just want to go out and get that it's legal fun. buck. Yeah, yeah. Just go <laughs> yeah, out and get fun. that legal buck, fill that tag, and, yep. uh, you know, more power to them. Um, you know, I've been trying to be selective in, in my pursuit with this particular deer. And uh, last year, um, I decided, okay, you know, it's... I've said this, you've heard it before, right? It was, you know, I'm going to Wyoming. Let me close the, close the book on this and went and, you know, shot a, shot a legal buck. Um, 
this year I'm in turmoil. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what to do. I, this is the second or yeah, it's two years chasing this buck. And I, and I'm worried either something's going to happen or the longer I let him walk because I can't close the distance. Somebody else is going to find that crazy little spot and he's, you know, they're, they're going to be better than me or they're going to catch him slipping or they're going to take the rifle to him. Yeah, that's what you have to I mean, Now, you do rifle hunt too, though, right? Oh, man, anything. I'll hunt with a freaking boomerang or or a bolo. Yeah. <laughs> if it keeps me yeah. out there a little bit longer. Say, you know, if they have a bazooka season, guess who's going shopping? That's it, man. <laughs> that's Whatever, me, baby. That's it. Whatever I can do to spend time yep. in the woods, in the mountains, wherever it is chasing, I'm all about it, man. I have no issue sure. if I don't. Do it currently. If they tell me you can hunt a month longer, best believe I'll be figuring it out. Yeah, they just started uh, about three or four years ago, Sunday hunting here in Virginia. And I mean, that just tickled me to death. It gave me another day. But, you know, for the longest time, they said, and this is everything I've heard. I can't say it's fact, but they said that the farmers were against it, that the farmers wanted their farm to have a day's rest from all the hunting. I'm like, well, shit, give them Monday off. Yeah, there you go. That's the best day to take off. <laughs> yeah, give the cows Monday off if they need a break. Well, that's uh, I, I've heard that quite a bit, um, you know, with the Midwest and the East, that a lot of, uh, a lot of those counties are open and hunting up on Sundays, which to me I always thought was a, was a hard, fast religious thing from, you know, way back when. Yeah, uh, I say Virginia did it recently, and I'm not sure, but I think Pennsylvania may be doing it this year. I haven't hunted up there for a while, but I I thought I read that they were starting to do it. But, you know, I don't see anything wrong with it. I mean, I'll be honest with you. (laughs) Ever since they've done it, uh, my wife, being the good woman she is, I go hunting in the morning. I take off all my hunting clothes on a piece of cardboard beside the truck, put my church clothes on, go to church. (laughs) <laughs> drive straight back on that same piece of cardboard, get changed out there in 20 degree weather. And, and jump and right I go back out. Heck yeah. Yes, sir. So are yes, you, sir. are you still hunting? Are you in tree stand blinds? How you, how you go about it's, it? Um, mostly tree stands. I've got uh, one or two ground blinds. And uh, the only time I still hunt because I'm not good at it um, is when it's been raining. You know, I'll be honest with you. I couldn't sneak up on a glass of water. I'm, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just, I don't have it for some reason. I don't think I have the patience for it. And with all the leaves, everything in the wintertime, it's just, you, you can't do it. I can't. But uh, we had a really, really wet uh, year last year. And I was able to do more than I've ever done. And I, I really like it. I'm just not good at it. Right. I mean, it's a challenge, so, right? I mean, that's what we face out here in the West. And then if you look at California's archery season, we call it early archery season, but really it's, you know, it's our archery season for a third of the state. Um, it's like stepping on a bag of Lay's potato chips, you know, yes. with with them in the bag. Um, yep. If you get into them oak leaves, man, it's just crackling and popping and, you know, everything is dry and just snapping and loud. But that that part of it is what uh, is part of the motivation for me. You know, whether if, if I got to pull those boots off and go socks, um, 
you know, and ruin, ruin the daggum smart wolves, man, uh, <laughs> with all the foxtails and whatnot. But yeah, that, uh, I, I don't know. There's just something about that spot and stalk, man. It's just trying to close that distance and beat them, you know, at their game, if you will. Uh, yeah. Man, oh man. The spot and stock out there, I guess, is a lot different here. I mean, as they have a lot of cover out in the fields and everything is how y'all stock up on them, right? That type of stuff? Or? Well, so the area that I hunt for early, it's rolling hills and, and it's sparse as far as, you know, scrub and oaks and things like that. So right. for me, it's a lot of terrain cover. The grass is, you know, most of the time is like two and a half to three foot. This year it was exceptionally tall. A lot of the grass was almost four foot tall. Um, okay. So bedded down, a lot of these, you know, with that, it's it's primarily coastal and just, you know, I call it inland coastal. Um, the deer are smaller bodied. So you're, it, it's really while they're moving or if you got a big, you know, a big boy that has some antlers that are going to stick up that tall, um, it's hard to even glass for them. You know, you spend hours on an area glass in it and you get up to move and you go oh shoot you know i just got busted <laughs> this dude was right there yeah. so yeah, well, it, see, that's, like around here you, you don't have that option i mean it's mainly where i hunt it's ag fields that have been you know already been picked so you you can't sneak across them because there's no cover and then if you get off to the edges then you're getting in the oak leaves and like you say you sound like you're walking on chips and unless it's wet I, I, I can't even try it, guy, because I'm no good at it. I do more damage than I do. Do good. You know, yeah, good. it's frustrating. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But, uh, yeah, but I, I like being in a stand. I mean, I know we, we, we've joked about it before, but uh, it's just you're elevated. It sounds like you guys getting up on a knoll or top of a hill and glassing. It's just, you know, you're sitting there all the time and, Sometimes you you can see far, and sometimes you're in a tree, and you may have a twenty or thirty yard view if you're lucky. So that's the you part know, that I struggle with, right? Because there has to be something about it. Because there's so many people that absolutely love it, right? When it, it cracks me up, like I'll see a post, and it'll be like, you know, uh, would you choose A or B? And then it's showing, you know, basically Western <laughs> hunting, and then you know, a tree stand over a food a food plot, and I'm always perplexed when the guy picks the tree stand in the food plot, I'm like, I don't get it. Like you got a 50 yard food plot, but you could be out in the greatness of God's creation, looking at miles of beautiful <laughs> pines and aspens. And it just always puzzles me, man. It's just, but there has to be something to it. Again, there's, there's so many people doing it. Well, the thing about it is, you know, whitetails are in, I know you've heard it, but around here, they look up, you know, and so they've been educated. And a lot of times when they come out, they look, and I'm talking about this year, they'll look where I was last year. It's, it's like these things have a memory that's unbelievable. And so, you know, you had to play the game, move your stand. Uh, of course, you obviously you had to play the wind, but you've got to have different access, different exit routes and you know it's fine if you're coming across that cornfield uh at you know two or three o'clock in the afternoon nothing's in the field but when you go to leave in the dark and you've got 20 or 30 deer in a field you just can't go walking across it or 
if you have, and this has happened to me a few times, I've had shooter bucks come out right at, uh, right at dark and I haven't been able to get them within range and they're sitting right out in front of me eating. You just stuck. They're feeding and I'm stuck in a tree. <laughs> and I've been the biggest deer I ever saw on the hoof was an absolute monster. I posted a picture of him there last week when I was doing that stupid 10 day challenge. But this deer was everybody guessed by 190 inch whitetail. I, I was the only one to ever see him on the hoof. He walked straight at me. And then at 45 yards, he made a 90 degree right hand turn and walked about another 20 or 30 yards and stood still in the only spot. And he was out on a, on a gas line, but I was up in a tree and it was a cedar tree and there was a limb that had not been trimmed. And he stood behind that limb until dark. <laughs> and I, I mean, I, I, there was nothing I could do. And he was at 45 yards and broadsided the whole time. And the second it got dark, he and the other buck that was with him walked 20 yards to my left. I could smell him. But, and that's the only time anybody ever saw him. So, okay. So that brings up something else for me. And that's one of the things that, and I'm trying to be, I, I guess I don't need to be nice about it. I'm just trying to understand it. So I apologize if it comes off wrong. It seems that you limit yourself, right? Because if I, if I put up a, a stand and I'm facing, you know, to the West, and I, you know, I create a shooting window through anything that's in front of me. And, you know, my shooting window is, you know, 15 foot across the front of me. And that opens up to 30, 40, 50 yards or whatever. Um, that's all. That's the only window that I have unless they walk below me. Now, what if I get that, you know, big giant boy that comes behind me? I'm SOL. I, I got to hope that this thing, you know, walks around. That That's that would drive me crazy. I would be trying to climb out of that stand slow as I can put an arrow through well that's the thing <laughs> all those options crossed your mind but the thing is it's it's a long season so it's not like you know you just have one or two days or you just have that one week out of the season where you're going out of out of state you know i started bow hunting beginning of october and rifle season ends the first saturday in january so, you know, you don't blow that opportunity right away. Now, I, if, let's put it this way, guy. If I saw that 190 again, uh, I'd be making some plans. I don't know what I'd do. I might grab a spotlight at that point. He was so big. But, uh, but no, that, that's what you do. So now you think, okay, well, he made that mistake. He came through here. So he must be doing it all the time. So you may try to move your stand, you know, 20, 40, 30, whatever down the fence row or you may try to move further up in the woods and get him to where it's there's more daylight you know it's it's a game and the problem is those old bucks you know you don't you can't fool them right not often that's why they're old and yeah exactly and so if you blow it you could blow it for the rest of the year and they'll go nocturnal you'll never see them again and so you know, it's, and then when you have other people hunting it, you know, I hunt with, uh, we lease a, I guess, 12, 1500 acre farm. And I think there's 15 guys. Well, we have set stands and then everybody is allowed to put up their own stands wherever they want. So if you have those set stands, 
well, you're pretty much accessing them and leaving them the same path. So those deer pattern you just like you think you can pattern them. Well, their nose is a lot stronger than yours. And so you got to really be careful what you're doing, but it's, it's a game. And if you lock onto one buck, a couple of years ago, I was locked on. There were two bucks that were running together. And uh, uh, the, the thing was, is the first day of bow season, it was 95 degrees. I was talking about this today at work. And this big 10-pointer came out. He was beautiful. Well, I had just put my ground blind in a spot, the same spot. I put it down, nailed it in, and I said, you know what? I'm moving it. And I moved it to the other end of the field because of the wind and the heat. I'm like, he's not going to walk this way. Well, I've got him on camera. He walked exactly and stopped broadside right where I put the blind. So I don't know if he smelled that, but the same, I mean, 95 degrees, he was the first deer out an hour before dark. Something never happens, a big buck. Well, I saw him twice that year, never could get a shot at him. And then about a week before the season was over, I saw him, he came out with five or six other bucks. And he was always, his vitals were always blocked by one of the smaller bucks. <laughs> I couldn't get him, could not get him, could not get him. Well, he got hit by a car that night. Oh, man. Yeah. I was talking to a buddy of mine. He was driving to work. He said, man, there's this monster buck out in front of your farm. And he said, I'm going to go back and get him. Go back and get him. <laughs> he said, yeah, he got hit by a car. I'm like, jeez. So next thing I know, I get pictures and it was my buck. and. So, and then the other buck that was running with him was with him that night. He ended up, I saw him the last day of rifle season and he had broken off one of his antlers. So he got a free pass. So, you know, and if you lock in on like you're doing, you know, you run that risk. You'll pass up other good deer, but. It's worth it. It's worth it because when you find that one, especially in the situation that I'm in. Yes, sir. To win that game you want to talk about trembling and shaking <laughs> well I, I'll, I'll go there with you i've got one buck that i had history with that i actually killed uh i found his antlers as a two and a half year old i found his left antler and uh the next year i got a picture of him uh all of this if you picture basically a center hub hundred or excuse me, 300 yards down the hill. I found a little antler. I got his picture at the center of that hub the next year, the following year, 300 yards in a different direction. I found his left antler again. And the year following he stood up and he had been downwind for an hour and a half in the field and the grass hadn't been, the hay hadn't been mowed. And it was about three foot tall. He stood up about 15 minutes before dark. And that's the only time I ever saw him alive in four years. And I shot him. So I've got both of his horns, the picture and the mount all together. And so, but I knew there were always bigger deer, but he had like eight or nine inch brow tines. So that's what got him killed was. Yeah, I knew him. And uh, so I've got his horns and his mount in my office, but the second he stood up, I'm like, that's the one. I've got this, this, and this. And he never left 300 yards from that hole where his picture was taken. Yeah. 
And so people talk about seeing bucks two, three miles away. Well, I had <laughs> evidence that this thing was never more than 600 yards away from each other. Mm-hmm. And that's, but, I mean, that sounds like the one I'm chasing. He stays in the same area. I mean, he probably yeah. has a, I'll call it a mile and a half radius. And uh, it's just perfect for the picking, right? I'll go, I'll see him, you know, in one draw first thing in the morning and, you know, watch him while he always goes to the same area in the afternoon. I just cannot figure out what he does when he crosses over this ridge. It goes up this mountain. It's another 1,200 feet and it's just it just disappears. Um, and then, you know, the next morning he'll be four draws, five draws over. So you can't, it's like he, it, there's never the same exact pattern. It is, hmm. it drive you crazy, but it's, it's within this mile and a half radius and he's always in that area. Just, just better than me, man. <laughs> yeah. well, like I say, that's the way they are. I haven't shot a buck for four years because, you know, if I don't see the one I'm, I want to shoot, I'm not shooting. And like I say, there's nothing wrong with that. And I sound like I'm apologizing for people. (laughs) No, but But uh, that's something to talk about, though, because, you know, you hear people say, oh, that's crazy. I'm going to fill my tag or you trophy hunter, blah, blah, blah. But it's a choice we make. Right. So we we set a standard or we set a goal for ourselves, whatever that looks like. Uh, Meat deer, you know, uh, uh, old boy, uh, you know, a four by five or that big old, you know, basket he ate with the six seven inch brow tines we set those standards and that's what we're after we accept that we may end that season empty-handed it's a weird thing because we want it so bad um but i think there's a lot there's a lot of good in that i mean it, it it really does motivate and drive you and make you explore yourself and push yourself which i love that stuff oh yeah i agree 100 percent and, you know, like I say, if you lock in on guy and I were talking today, you know, he, he said, you know, I don't, you know, he, I don't put it out trail cameras. He said, you know, I don't, it doesn't mean anything because they're going to be on different patterns. I'm like, I know that, you know, yeah, they're going to change their patterns. The bachelor packs are going to, uh, you know, break up and they're, they're all going to be on their own. But I want to know what kind of horns are running around that farm. So, I can be choosier, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I get one shot. You know, I hope it's one shot. <laughs> I get one kill. And, you know, if I don't get something that I'm 100% satisfied with it, I'm still not starving because I'm going to get does. Right. You know, and, and and I eat meat like they're going to outlaw it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I probably go through five pounds of venison a week. Wow. Yeah, I mean, wife makes it for me for for my breakfast and and for my lunch. She meal preps for me every week. And she she does she hates me. <laughs> <laughs> but she cooks it and I'm telling you, she cooks the best egg on uh wild bear. I challenge anybody nice. that can outcook her on and it's just you know, coconut coconut uh oil is the is the trick with bear. But uh, I probably got a lot of bear killed in the last couple of years because they tried my wife's, but it's, uh, I, I eat it every day. And so I'm getting down now where I've got probably, <laughs> probably 25, 30 pounds of elk or deer left. Right. And that won't get me to the first of October. Wow. And that's- so I'm having to ration it out. <laughs> I'm a little envious in that respect, right? Because here we can only have two deer tags. 
Uh, most of our tags are buck only. There's some either sex tags, um, but you're yeah. talking two deer. Um, so maybe if you're rationing and, you know, not sharing and, you know, here you go and giving sausage and whatnot away, you might get six, seven months out of it. Yeah. And that's what you have to do. But see, like last year I got an elk. So an elk's a lot of meat and my, my daughter will eat the bear, but my son, he'll eat whatever's there, but he's not huge on it. And my wife doesn't eat it. So it's pretty much, I'm the, you know, the apex carnivore in the house and nothing gets, gets through there. And what I do is I always hold off on my good cuts. I grind everything into burger except for the tenderloins. And I, and I split the burger between burger and breakfast sausage. And that's just what I do. I take a couple pounds of breakfast sausage a week and a couple pounds of burger. And that's my breakfast and lunch. And uh, but like now I'm having elk tenderloin uh, burritos for lunch. I mean, I'm eating like a king, baby. I was going to say, that's not a bad <laughs> lunch to have, man. Shoot. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it, it's kind of tough. And, uh, you know, people ask, you know, like, yeah, you can have some or whatever. But most people, for some reason, don't want to do it. What's your cutoff yeah. point? When you get down to how much do you say? Nah, buddy, move along here. <laughs> no uh, wild I game to be had. <laughs> so, I think maybe I've growled enough when they've asked that they quit asking. I don't know. But um, but they usually ask for the good stuff. You know, they don't ask for burger. They they want your tenderloin. Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> yeah. You know, but uh, um, <laughs> I haven't had to tell anybody no. So, but they're welcome to it. You know, maybe I'll send you some, put some dry ice and send you some. There you go. I want to, <laughs> you got me wanting to uh, talk about that bear, man. Because you don't hear that often, right? I know some folks that love bear. I don't mind it at all. Um, but, oh, I, and, I, and I'm saying this broad stroking, the vast majority of people that I've come across um, don't care for bear. And I was yeah, kind of taken back by that. I enjoy eating bear. You know, you stew me. I've had it stringy. a few times. Mm-hmm. That's what they say. But um, what the guy I took it to, he he didn't even want to process it. He says because they're so messy. Well, they cut fifty pounds of fat off of it and threw it away. And so basically, all the meat was lean. He cut out the tenderloins, and I had him grind everything else up into burger. And the wife, I mean, when she cooks it, she cooks it in coconut oil, and it gives it the absolute best flavor you've ever had. Should try and, salami and some of that, man. That's some of the best salami I've ever had is bear. Oh, really? Well, I hope to get another bear this year. I didn't get a chance to to see one last year, and I've got a couple of young ones on the camera. But a, a buddy of mine where I shot this one, uh, he said they've got two big bears on his camera. And uh, so I'm going to try to get up there. But I get so daggone tied into the to the bucks running around and try to get them before the gun season open up that I usually ignore the bear hunting, but the bear is my favorite meat. So yeah, that's kind of an opportunistic tag, at least for me. You know, I'll get the tag, and if I'm out and I see one, I haven't, and it's probably something. I, and I shouldn't say probably; it's something that I thought about pursuing um, on a regular, but uh, getting mm-hmm. wrapped up with this daggum elk, man. <laughs> so you brought something up you brought something up twice and it's been a minute but i want to backtrack a little bit so you sure. talked about you talked about having that buck 
um, sit out there and had, you know, stood behind that limb and uh, had his vitals blocked. And then you had the youngster that was blocking him. How, <laughs> how much of that um, do you get? And you start thinking to yourself, this SOB is doing that on purpose, man. He's doing it on purpose. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, I, they didn't know I was there on the, the one who kept getting blocked by the young ones. They were, uh, they were I think there was five or six bucks, but there was a doe that apparently was still in heat. And this was in December. And so she must've come in. Uh, she must not have been bred the first cycle. And so these guys were chasing her around and I don't think that he even realized that the other bucks were there. They were just trying to get her attention. And I was hoping and praying that she was going to, they were going to run her my way, but I guess they ended up running her towards the highway after I left. But you know, they're smart. You know, they've got a, some six, seven, eight cents. I don't know how much how many cents is that. <laughs> That's what I was going for. Because, man, I've <laughs> they got a lot spot. more than me. <laughs> I've been in that same spot and you're going, he knows exactly what he's doing. It's impossible. Yeah. I'm sitting here. He's yeah. not busting. He's not looking my way, but he knows what he's doing. <laughs> well, and the, that's the thing. They come out during bow season and they start inching towards you. And then all of a sudden they just kind of just mosey on over out of bow range. That's crazy. And it, it just, it aggravates the tar out of it. Heck yeah. Yeah, it does. But what are you going to do, man? It's, it's fun, you know? Yeah, absolutely. The way I look at it, at least I got to set in a tree that night. A lot of people didn't. So one of the bullets I sent you. <laughs> <laughs> the power of Western hunting, man. Um, I'm biased. Yeah, I, think you have all the power. <laughs> I am biased as all get up, right? Um, and I would say rightfully so. But I am interested in the diversity in hunting. And like I said before, I think that there is something, must be something to it because so many people are absolutely passionate and fascinated with how you guys do it, you know back uh back east and down south and the midwest what was the draw for you to western hunting um because it wasn't just one trip right it's it's been a couple trips what's the draw I've to that out. and the contrast yeah. well think about it obviously well they're starting to get elk in in the east again thank you know thankfully but <clears throat> you always hear about it. you know you see the screaming elk on tv and uh my buddy at work he's been going out west off and on for 25 years and that's his favorite thing to hunt and he's always saying man we got to go we got to go and so i got the opportunity to go and the first two times we went it was i won't even call it a hunt it was taking your gun for a walk but it was so daggone pretty in colorado i went out there twice and i saw two elk it was a cow and a calf that ran in front of our truck that was it. But I absolutely loved it. And I, being a hunter, you know, just sitting there glass and looking, it's just that, and it's beautiful. It's completely different from anything I'd ever done. <clears throat> well, when we got a chance to go to New Mexico, it was completely different. This type of uh, terrain in New Mexico where we hunt is high desert. So it's a lot of flat, little scrubby pinyon trees and that type of stuff with a few you know, buttes or whatever sticking up. You know, it's it's a it's a whole different world. It's like there should be some Clint Eastwood Western made out there. <clears throat> and but there's elk. You know, how something the size of a horse can hide under a little tree <laughs> is amazing. Out in the middle. <laughs> but 
it's so much different from what I'm used to that I just enjoy going. I had as much fun watching the other guys tag out as I did myself. You know, uh, the, the second time when we went last year, the guy that went with me, he had never been out there. And, you know, I'm not a selfish guy. I'm like, you know, you go first. You know, I'll try to video your hunt and blah, blah, blah. Well, I call him a kid. He was 30 years old. But I thought he was going to pee himself when he was shooting this elk. He, he had a 300 Ultra Mag, and he shot three times, grabbed one out of his thing, and shot again. And then he was out of bullets. And he had hit the thing three of the four times, but he was missing horribly because he was so worked up. And I ended up giving him my gun. <laughs> and he, he actually shot it and killed it with my gun. And he was a mess. You talk about falling apart. His teeth were chattering. I've got him on video. He couldn't talk. And I'm like, that's what it's all about. Heck yeah. You know, just getting out to do that. And like me, when I killed my elk the next day, same guy was with me. The guide had gone somewhere else. And so Cody was with me and he's, <laughs> he, he, he was a professional at that point. So he was guiding me. And so he got all excited when I saw the elk or when he saw the elk that he wouldn't shut up. I was afraid the elk was going to run away <laughs> because he was worked up just watching it. But I'm like, that's what it's all about. I mean, when you're that into something, that you literally can't control your muscles. That, that's a good thing. <laughs> Absolutely. It is. I love that feeling, man. <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing. I could think of a lot worse things to be shaking in your boots over. Heck, I mean, so. we, we poke fun at it as hunters and we give each other a ration for it. But man, that's what we're, that's what we're itching for. Yeah. The day I stop getting nervous when a doe walks by is probably, you know, sounds corny. That's probably the day I'm going to get, Getting hanging up. A buddy of mine's at that point now. He doesn't really enjoy it anymore. And, that, and that's hard. That's hard for me to wrap my head around. I'm with you, brother. That's <laughs> what I told him. I said, man, just shoot me in the back of the head. I said, because I'm done. Yeah. You know, and he has a beautiful 200 acre farm that he passes on big, big bucks. Everybody, yeah, it's just not big enough. I've got that. I, I want something bigger. And maybe that's and the issue. Maybe he's climbed every mountain. Yeah. Maybe that's the issue where, you know, 200 acres, you've seen it, you've done it and you've done it, you know, yep. for three months every year for the last 15 years, maybe it is time to uh, come out here and uh, take some Western. Well, hunts. he goes out there, he goes elk hunting and he doesn't even care about shooting elk anymore. He just wants to go for the camaraderie of the camp. Well, that's good too. But I, th I would say that he's uh yeah, he's pretty much comatose. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you got a pulse dude. You know, but uh, yeah, but getting back to you, Western hunters, I mean, you guys think that you invented hunting. You know that it kind of worked its way that way, don't you? Most of the hunters and guns came from the East. Well, but yeah, but we invented the right form of hunting. No. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing shit right here, man. <laughs> what do you mean by right? What is your definition of right? I, you know what? I don't know. I so the you know difference. I, I like teasing about it, but I, I'm one of these guys that you know we've got enough issues trying to hunt that we should all be you know joke with each other. But who cares oh, what you hunt with or or what you're hunting? We need to quit bickering amongst ourselves 
and you know start putting up a, a united front against everybody that doesn't want us to hunt period yeah no that that is absolutely 100 percent true man couldn't agree with you more yeah but no but getting back to that i was thinking about that the other day i'm like it seems like everybody out west has to wear you know what you wear what do you wear sitka you know it's it's like you know, around here, people are starting to wear it now because I guess they watch enough Western hunting shows where everybody wears it. But, and it's great stuff. It truly is. I've, I've tried it on, but I've got a couple shirts. But, uh, but it's like everybody's got Sitka and a Vortec on their, on their gun. You know, it's like that's part of the uniform out there. Well, and so I get that, right? <laughs> I, I get the perspective, but it is. It is really, and, and not to say that everybody's like that, right? There's, there's, you know, what they oh, call fanboys fan and bandwagons and all that crap. Yeah, I'm a fanboy too. But it really is about being comfortable in the field and extending those days. Um, and I didn't always wear it. You know, I, I remember wearing my scent blocker in, in, you know, real tree yeah. and, you know, that was. Whatever you could afford. Yeah. Well, that was the tech at the time. And, and before that, yeah. it was like you know, BDUs that were in, you know, military camo and, you know, the shirt and, um, but it's miserable. The shit is miserable. But now with these, you know, tech camos, if you will, um, and not just Sitka, I mean, you got First Light, um, you got Kuyu, you got companies like One Rate, um, that are really putting R&D and effort into making us comfortable in the field. Um, yes. And that's really what that all of our gear, that's really what it's about. Right. Is extending hunts. I mean, look at the packs, not just the camo. Look at the freaking packs they're coming out with and how these things carry loads and how much you could stuff in them and how functional they are. I remember the days, man, I had a it was a, a Ger- basically a Gerber fanny pack with suspenders that had a <laughs> pouch for a camelback, I think a two liter camelback. And it had two bags on the side, one in the back. And I'll never forget shooting a deer in a hole and going, how in the hell am I going to do this? And you pull out the game bags and you put a quarter in each game bag and tie the game bags together and lash it over your shoulder. And you start the painful, miserable meat bouncing all over you, blood everywhere, climb out. Yeah, avoid the mountain lines on the way. Well, oh, I got stories for you on that one, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, so it it does it does to a point appear trendy, um, for the lack of a better word, but it really is about oh, it's function. function. Yeah. yeah. I mean, absolutely function. Um, and there again, there's there's the fanboys right that will spend a day in the woods a year that you know we're rocking you know two thousand dollar you know whatever brand x brand camo um just because some of the guys that are spending you know a month in the woods nailing them big 200 plus inch mule deer are doing it so there is that <laughs> element to it but it, it really well, really sure. is yeah. about function yeah i mean it is the the way they made that stuff form fitting but loose at the same time I mean, it's huge. Uh, and I picked up, as you know, a couple of things from one rate and I'm, I've been really impressed with them, but, uh, there's, you know, there was another company, you know, if you mind me mentioning companies, no, not at all, but, but NUMA, I really like NUMA and I've, I've been tickled. They've got a lifetime warranty on their stuff. And 
I've had that for a couple, three years now, and I absolutely love it. So I'm hoping that, you know, the, the one rate holds up as well to it. But uh, it's amazing what a, a good, I call it a costume, <laughs> what a good hunting costume will, will do for you. Oh, heck as far yeah. As, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, and, and, and to contrast it, right, for you guys sitting in tree stands, I, me personally, man, when I think about, I don't like heights for one. So you, you know, maybe I could push 30 feet, um, but you're sitting <laughs> up in a tree stand. If you're not in my head, if I'm not wearing gear that keeps me comfortable where I'm not sweating to death or I'm not freezing cold every time that, you know, crisp fall air comes blowing across me. Um, I can't shed layers or put layers on and have it function properly. That is almost a harder fight than we have to a point, um, you know, hiking. And, and it's a lot easier for us to shed or, you know, stoke a fire or, um, you know, add layers, whatever, you know, or sit down under a tree and catch some shade. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's huge. And, you know, some of the stuff, the Numa is one of them. It actually has zippers that you can get some airflow and that does help. But at the same time, uh, you, you just have to, especially on uh, uh, cold or really cool days, is you basically head to the stand with not much on. Uh, you know, you may have a light jacket on, but you've got your heavy jacket tied to your or pa- in your pack or something. And you put it on when you get there because that way you're not already worked up a sweat. And so, I mean, you have to be smart about it. But chances are you're going to get cold a lot more. You're going to get hot. You know? Yeah. My, my friends, Kristen and Brady, they're the Redder Rafts. Um, they love Numa, man. They, they swear by that stuff. It's, it's good. I mean, it's, I don't think it's crazy expensive. It's not cheap, but not, none of it is. But whoa, it's whoa. <laughs> we no, just cheap. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you meant dollar wise. You said expensive. <laughs> no. Jeez. Cause there's, oh, yeah. I mean, oh. your, your brand is, is ridiculous. It's out of control, man. I mean, it's, it's to the point where it's like, you know, I'm looking at this, <laughs> my 2020 season already. And uh, I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to heavy up, layer up. But I'm looking at the price and I'm going, what? When did this spin out of control like this? It's crazy. It is you insane. Know? Like I said, I was looking at that sales stuff today and there was a pair of, uh, of bibs, warm, warm bibs. I don't know what they call them on Sitka, but they were on sale for like 300 bucks, 350 bucks. I'm like, goodness gracious. That's a deal. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, That's I, got a, I got a pair of pants that cost $540. You know, it, yeah. it's just, it's crazy. It, it, and, and it doesn't, it does not look like it's going to level out is the problem that I have with it. Hey, whatever the market will bear, baby. You keep spending it, they'll keep doing it. Yeah, just like wow. everything else. I mean, look at the Hoyt bows. They're ridiculous. Well, they're, they'll quit raising the price when people quit buying them. Right. Well, they got that marketing engine, man, that just... Uh, That's what I'm saying. Keeps giving. <laughs> it's like a Yeti cup. Yeah. You know, those guys have got a bunch of gurus over there. But, you know, you can go get the Walmart... Arctic, whatever it is, it works just as well. It's not as pretty, but it works just as well. I tell well, you what, do you guys have? Cool t- guys, sure you guys have TJ Maxx out there? 
Shit, my wife pays a power bill every month. <laughs> what are you talking about? She's taking it as a personal challenge to make sure their bills are paid. <laughs> Man, hey, you go in there, you go, dude. I've picked up the Yeti tumblers and then the big Yeti the jug. Like, yeah, like two of the jugs. Yeah, for all of that stuff. Man, I got a, a the the big Yeti soft size. I think I got from them for I want to say I paid one hundred and twenty bucks. That thing is almost four hundred dollars. Yeah, um, we bought them for Christmas gifts last year. Yeah, man. That TJ <laughs> yeah. Maxx delivers on the Yeti. <laughs> well, like I say, there's there's Marshall's TJ Maxx and Home Goods. <laughs> and oh, that's, my wife. that's what it is. Home Goods is where I got the soft side. That's a, yeah. that's exactly where it was. Going in there with my yeah. wife and I looked up behind the counter, I was like, What? <laughs> yeah. Well, like I say, that's the way we are. Uh, I, I spend a lot of time in there in the, in the off season, you know, that's, that's, that's part of my burning or earning good points is, you know, surfing those stores, but, uh, no, but I mean, you can get some good deals every now and then you'll run across camo in those places too. Yeah. See, I've been, when I see sick in them stores, man, I'll post up until I uh, get the right things. <laughs> <laughs> I just, well, they restock every Tuesday, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got it dialed, buddy. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, but that, I mean, that's hard, man. You know, you look at this gear and it's, it's just, out, I don't know. Some of it's out of control. Some of it I understand, but yeah, I think, uh, I, I've been looking at the Kuyu and the one rate stuff going, man, this is, you know, Price-wise, this is where I think it needs to be. And the Kuyu is direct-to-consumer, right? They don't have any middlemen, so I think that helps right. them there. Um, yeah, see, I, I, now that's the guy that started Sitka, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There you go. Um, <clears throat> of course, you know me. I like small business. Yeah, so if I can see a small guy like Joel that who will call me and ask me about the Gators, you know, he called and asked me, you know, we're, we're talking sizes over the phone. You know, and you don't get that with the big companies. And if you're getting that with somebody, especially if you get in with them at the front, you know, you can actually help them build something, kind of get some satisfaction out of it. And, you know, same with uh, Caleb at uh, County Six. You know, that those two guys are the best customer service I've ever dealt with. Joel's something else, man. Yeah. That dude is. Well, he called me. He was on a hunt. Yeah. And he called me and took an order, swiped me over the phone yep. from, from camp, you know? Yeah, we actually talked about that. You, you text me yeah. and we're like, hey, man, this guy's, you know, he's going to call yeah. me. And I was like, oh, I think he's on a hunt. And then you said, oh, he called. I was like, damn. Oh, he was selling me. He's, <laughs> he was trying to get me to buy a heavy jacket. And <laughs> I did buy a vest as well. But I pre-ordered the Gators. And so I'm looking forward. To, hopefully I can get those before I head to New Mexico. I really want those. My boy is running all one rate this year. So he'll. I uh, like it. I think it's sharp looking camo. And it, you know what? That, and the one thing, like when I saw them in Utah, um, that was the one thing that, and I've said it before, the one thing that really caught me about it was the build on it. So as soon as we walked up, I flipped those pants inside out, man. And I started looking, and I'm like, damn, you know, and then you see the yeah. price point on something and you're going, man, this. And it's hard, right? And I'm I'm as anal as you can get about performance. Um, so I'm never going to give anything a thumbs up or rate anything until I can absolutely put it through the ringer. I mean, beat right. the heck out of it. You know, I've slid it in my sit because, man, I slid down uh, a hillside 
trying to rush through this uh rush through this draw trying to get over you know three quarters of a mile to this deer um i slid down a hillside in them sitka pans knowing that i was going to get up over the rocks and stuff and have them torn that's the kind of stuff you know i want to walk away from and when i saw the build on joel's one right there i was like man this is a solid build so i'm excited yeah. i'm excited to test it out with my boy and you know he'll did you get it the early it. season the early mid-season stuff um we we kind of mixed and matched right so we got him the heavy jacket um i got him the mid-season pant and then we we layered up from there uh um, okay because colorado right it's that's the primary focus with him is is that elk hunt um and we might be dealing with 80 degrees 85 degrees but then you know that time of year we might see some snow at elevation so it was kind of a mix and match comfort i didn't want them too hot too cold so it'll be about layering and just picking that system and want to make sure that you know it was water resistant um i'm really hoping he expands his line and i understand he's just getting started but you know i'm kind of like you to a certain extent i don't like to not match the costume yeah oh man you know he doesn't have any head uh, gloves or headwear you know and so i've i've got my my numa gloves and my numa beanie and a hat. So, you know, the photo ops may not be happening too often in the, in the one rate. Yeah. See, I don't really, I, and I'm not a glove guy. If I'm, if I'm marching through, you know, we're on the hike and we're trying to get somewhere and I got my sissy sticks out, I'll, I'll put my gloves on. Um, so I'm not really much of a glove guy. Um, so I'm not really worried about that, but like Caleb's bino harness, that Traeger dude, that's that, sweet. that thing is, it's got to be the most comfortable bino harness I've ever put on bar none. Yep. Right. I love it. It is crazy comfortable. And when you first see it, you think it's going to be big and bulky with your binos in it. And it's really, it's really flat and streamlined and, and, and fits you flush. I mean, that's one of the things that I don't know why there's a concern with archery with it. Um, cause I've run stuff that, you know, like, uh, Derek said with uh, rugged maps, you know, it's a suitcase on the on the front of you. I've run stuff that sits out there and I've never had an issue. So I'm not sure why. I shoot. I practice with it. Right. And I've never had the first issue. Yeah. His his the way I don't know what it is, man. It's I think part of it's the material, the width of the strap and then the elasticity in those lower straps. Um, the way he did it, it just is perfect, man. It's crazy. Yeah. He's working on a new one, so I'll be curious to see what all the new ones like. But uh, not, and I like his little tethers that come with it. Yeah, those are you cool. Know? Yeah, the little bunnies. Yeah, I, I, well, the ones I got are straight. I know the ones that I've seen he had were were kind of bungeed up, but uh, I just picked up another one from him for my rangefinder. That way, I could get it up to my eye because it's not elastic; it's a, it's a harder piece. Okay, but but I mean. Like I say, going back to customer service, Caleb's calling me and asking me what I think about this. You know, hey, how can I make this better? You know, I'm a nobody from Virginia. This guy's out there in God's country, and he's calling and asking my opinion on something. And now that's and huge. Exactly. Exactly. But then perspective-wise, uh, perspective how many guys, you know, are running one rate or running, you know, County 6 Predator back there? So to get that, to care enough to get that perspective is what those guys hit the nail on the head for as far as I'm concerned. Yep. 
Yeah, and I'm sure, you know, I'm sure the Cambo will work fine here. I know it's it's more, you know, directed to the to the Western hunting, but I'm sure it'll work out here. I've walked around in it just checking trail cameras. I wear it every time I'm out there just to, you know, see if I can uh, you know, if the deer will notice anything different. And I mean it's so far it's worked good. I actually wore a turkey hunting too. How did and, how'd that go? Uh, it went well. Um uh, I got a turkey, so I was happy. I mean, because you talk uh, about eyes in the woods being some of the best. You that yeah, freaking gobbler and man. Turkeys are tough. Yes, sir, they are tough, and it it worked well. It really did. And you know, like I say, once again, you're talking to somebody's like Fred Flintstone going through the woods, and they didn't run because of what I was wearing. I can tell you that. And. uh you know, they're tough, tough animals to hunt. There's no doubt. But, uh, but anyway, uh, you know, sounds like a dag on an infomercial for one rate in County six. But no, but I mean, it's worth talking about. And like you said, yes, you know, I mean, you, <laughs> we haven't even gone there yet, but my tap Tuesday episodes are for that reason, right. Is the yes. little exposure I can offer to those homegrown businesses, man, you know, the people that are putting their heart and soul. If you talk to if anybody calls Joel or Caleb and you, you don't walk away from that conversation saying, man, these guys are putting their heart and soul into this. You're, mm -hmm. you're like your buddy that don't want to hunt anymore. You don't have a pulse. Yeah, I agree. You know, when, like I said, you said by going there, Sam, it, you know, tap titanium archery products, you know, that's the guy that when I posted something that I had screwed up on my, one of my little Instagram videos, he's calling me. Let's we'll see if we can work it out. You know, people don't have to do that. No, they're you passionate know? about what they're doing. Exactly. You know, they take pride in their product and obviously they want people to be successful with it because the more successful, the more you'll, you know, you'll talk about, Hey man, I like this. I like this. You know, yeah, it looks cool, but guess what? It made my bow quieter. Okay. Hopefully that will matter when the bows or the bucks start trying to dodge it. But, you know, I, I like the products and I will not put my name on something. I'm a nobody. I know that. But I will not put my name on something that I don't wouldn't buy if the cameras weren't rolling or I wasn't getting a discount, you know. And, and that's the thing. I don't. You know, good products, small companies are what I want to be associated with. So with uh, with Tapman Titanium and Sam, that <laughs> the he he is the epitome of what we've been talking about, in, in in my opinion. Right. This dude is Sam is solid, man. Um, those products that he's pumping out, he is a one man assembly line. It is crazy. And the quality He's not going to let something pass him that has a scratch. And oh, yeah, Sam, Sam is phenomenal. And you want to talk about an archer? That dude can shoot. Yeah, I've seen some of his videos. He can shoot. Yeah, I'm going to try to get up and actually meet him uh, after the season. So he's only about two or three hours from me. Oh, man, he just had to so. shoot at uh, that shoot and, and get together. I think, that was, yeah, it was last weekend. Huh. Well, I uh, actually I had something going on last week. I can't remember what it was, but uh, but no, I just want to get up there and, and meet 
you know, some of these people. If I'm ever out and I get a chance to go to one of these trade shows out somewhere and meet Caleb and Joel, I'd love to do it, you know. Uh, but it, it's nice to be associated with that. You know, I'm associated with the guys at Bow Addicts. You know, a lot of people don't know what they are. They're an archery apparel uh, company. Small guys out of Tennessee. They're Christians. They don't mind talking about it. And they make shirts that show it. And some of their shirts don't say anything about that. But they're small guys. They believe in what, and they're not going to back away from what they believe in. That's the way I am. And they asked me to do it. I didn't ask them. They like me. So, you know, to be associated with somebody that you were already promoting, like you. I mean, I love your podcast. Yeah. And so I tell people about it all the time. So what do I do? I throw it up on my Instagram. Everybody sees it, you know? And so here we are, you know, months after listening to you and I'm shooting a bull with a celebrity from California, one of these LA guys, you know, and here, and I'm just some, some old guy, old fat bald guy from Virginia. Hey, I'm the same guy, man. Cause I ain't no celebrity buddy. <laughs> oh, you LA guys are the same. Oh, but, shit. no. Right, wait, 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 <laughs> wait. Whoa, Puerto Reigns, brother. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but no, like I say, that's, that's what it's all about. It's just, you know, what do you believe in? You know, I, didn't, I haven't made a dime off you. I've given you money for T-shirts. So, yeah, although I, I do have this snazzy cup here that I love. But, uh, um, but it, it's stuff that you would listen to if you didn't get something, you know, You've got an angle. Yeah, you talk to new guys. You talk to some experienced guys, apparel guys, equipment guys. But it's all – I've yet to see an attitude that I wouldn't want to listen to something else with those guys. You know, that type of stuff. And that's the kind of guys – you know, I'll probably never buy a pack. But you know what? Listen to your your podcast. I believe his name was – was it Joe? Yeah, Joe with, Wood Wilderness with, Packs. Wilderness Packs, yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. And if I was going to buy one, guess where I'm going? I'm going there. Yeah, yeah, you sold him. You got in my pocket again. You've cost me a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, yeah. I knew that was coming. <laughs> you know, but thank goodness I don't hunt out west because I'd be divorced <laughs> because of you. But uh, but anyway, like I say, it's those type of guys, and you're bringing that mentality to the east. So if somebody from the East is going out, well, they're going to be looking at these people that you're putting out there. And, and honestly, I'm trying to spread the love as much, you know, I, it is Western contours, right. That, and that's what I do. But the further that I have got along in this, the more value I have seen outside of the Western States and that diversity, right. Um, You know, we're talking about tap Tuesdays. Have you got your hot scent sticks yet? Yes, sir. Oh, did you? Yes, sir. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I bought four of them: two deer and two bear. And that is so, that is. You want to talk about a crazy story, man? To pull to take a basically an engine cleaner, right? Def, which they use for diesel engines, um, right? And and oh, what was the name of that stuff that Mark said? Is I'm going through my note pages and I can't find it. Anyway, there's a a portion of that that he's using to make these things and he, and he ferments right. it. And it's like, how in the world, how do folks think of some of this stuff? It, it is 
fascinating to me that, you, you know what I mean? Like, how in the world did you come up with that out of that? I don't know, man. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I'm a sucker. <laughs> well, I, uh, I took some of the bear stuff out and I put it on one of the trees by the camera where I had seen where I had a picture of a, a young bear and I put it on there and I didn't have any pictures of a bear this time, but I don't discount it. Cause I can tell you if the wind's right, I would eat that damn tree. <laughs> I mean, I, I got the berry and the vanilla and I put them both on the tree and man, they smell good. So I guess they made them on peanut butter or marshmallow. Maybe that'd be better. But uh, if he but hears yeah, like that, say, you never know. Well, you know, let's do it because I'll buy it. <laughs> you know me. <laughs> but that goes right back to what we were saying, though, about, you know, about these, you know, mom and pops is that they're listening. They're listening to what we're saying and they're going to make those adjustments. They're going to, you know, oh, you think that'll work? Oh, yeah. OK, let me figure this out. And they're on it. You know, I, you talked about, and we're going back to him, but you talked about Caleb and you had mentioned something about the bino harness. He says, hey, man, send it back to me. I'll, I'll get it the way you want it and let me know how it works. And it might be something we do permanent. You know, they're listening. And, and I don't know if the bigger companies even care to listen. Yeah. And actually, Caleb, he, he modified it and sent it back to me. And it didn't work for, for my phone, particularly the strap he's doing. But we talked about it and I told him that, you know, I'm no seamstress, but I'm going to see my parents here in a, in a week or so. And my mom knows how to sew and I'm going to get her to, to try to modify it with just a piece of Velcro to hold it because I'm not worried about the Velcro sound because the only time that strap's going to be on is when I'm walking to and from the stand. So I'm not worried about sound. I'm worried about security at that point. But other than that, he's going to incorporate some sort of restraint in there in the future harnesses, you That's know, and he, said, and he said, Oh, I'll get this and I'll send you one for free. I'm like, no, how about we work on it together and you owe me nothing, you know, because you're going this far to try to improve your product. You're actually listening to somebody. You don't owe me squat. Give me a good product. That's what I'm paid for, you know? And so, uh, and I had that conversation with him a couple of days ago. And so, yeah, I think I've talked to Caleb three or four times. Yeah, wait, wait until if and when you get to go to one of those shows and you get to meet Mrs. Annie Newton, man, you are going to be floored. That's what that? she is. <laughs> she's phenomenal. Um, when when I met them at the Utah show, she was who I met first, and uh, I was sold. I was right on the spot. I'm like, hey, you guys want to do a podcast? <laughs> I mean, just just the most personable, sweet, just excited to talk to you about the product and tell you the story. It was just it was one of the best experiences I've ever had in five oh, minutes wow. meeting somebody. I and, and that ain't no BS, man. No BS. Uh, well, I mean, if you hear their story, I mean, to hear Caleb tell it, I mean, it was heartbreaking, <laughs> you know, but, you know, when you got a family like that and I mean. It's top notch as far as I can say. Yeah. No, they're awesome, man. They are absolutely yeah. awesome. Cool. So um, I'm better than you because I hunt Western. Um, we've already established that. You know, we're doing stuff the right way here, man. Yeah, because you, <laughs> you typed it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, like I say, nobody's better. 
I challenge you to come here and sit in the stand from daylight to dark. And you do that one time, we'll work it out. We'll meet somewhere in the middle and then I'll come out there with you and we'll see who, who does better in the other's situation. Yeah. That's a, I, you know, I gotta say, dude, sitting in a tree from dark to dark in one spot on a ass pad that's 18 by 18. Yeah. Who gave you the pad? <laughs> <laughs> I'm bringing it. Look, I'm looking. I'm watching, man. You think I don't see you guys sitting on that damn, <laughs> that damn uh, I tell you expanded what, I, metal? I don't do it like that. Uh, I used to do it nonstop. I've gotten to the point now where I will get up and go maybe change stands from the morning to the afternoon. And so I'll go to my truck, grab a sandwich, you know, maybe turn the heat on and then uh, then go back out. But there were days, literally, I'd be there an hour before and, you know, half hour after this dark. You know, it's a long flipping day, man. Oh, I can't even but, imagine. But during the rut, you, you got to do it. You really do. Right, you I mean, stuck. because <laughs> You'd well, be pissed yeah. off at me because I'm about six hours in, man. If that long, I'd be ready to jump down, stomp out of there, pissed off. <laughs> I can understand it. It's not for everybody. You know, I, uh, I'm always trying to get guys to go hunting, uh, with me, new guys. And you know, like my son, he, I, he knows how passionate I am about it. And the few years back I got, I got him to go. And first two times out, he didn't get a shot. So he had his little going back, but he had his game boy and all that stuff. And you could see the fire starting to go out. and then he shot a, a doe and he was psyched. He's like, dad, you're right, man. This is exciting. Your trailing gets going. And we went down and he sat beside the doe and he touched it and he said, dad, she feels like Gracie. That's our golden retriever. Gone. He never had a desire to do it again. Oh, wow. I mean, it just totally stripped him of everything. And I was fine with that. He tried it. It wasn't for him. It's not for everybody. <laughs> but I, I wasn't expecting a, a gold retriever reference. But <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't even dragging at that point. I had to drag him. That, I was, but, that's that's uh, the gut check for a dad in that situation. Like, oh. Yeah. And so, like I say, you know, he tried. just wasn't his thing. And uh, my daughter's gone a couple times. She doesn't hunt. But she'll sit out there and in between sleep and video for me. But... Um, but anyway, I've got a couple of younger guys that said they'd like to go. I'm like, great. Get your, your uh, uh, hunter safety course. Let's go. And they're like, ah, you know, I'm like, are you serious? You don't even want to work. You think somebody's got to hand it to you? You know, go take the daggone test. And then I'll let you walk out here and, and you know, once you can prove to me that you're proficient with your weapon, you know, we'll take you hunting. But it's like, it, it's hard to get you know, hunter recruitment these days. It really is. And it's a challenge too, right? For, for me, you, you put in a certain level of work, a certain level of effort, right? Whether it be, you know, scouting or e-scouting or, you know, for me, like with the elk is learning how to call and learning what they eat and, you know, how they move this time of year, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then you got somebody that's like, hand it to me. No. Yep. Right. There's, there is a level of effort that goes into it that, yeah, you want to help people out, especially new folks, but you want them to experience 
the trials, it sounds cliche, the trials and tribulations of it as well. Sure. Because I think as we progress in it, that's what we start to appreciate more and more are those trials and tribulations. And when you hit that, you know, air quotes success, that notch tag, it means that much more. Sure. Sure. And that's the problem with today. Like, you know, a lot of the newer, I'm going to call them the kids again, you know, it's instant gratification and they don't want to put in the work. And that's, it's been kind of fun to, to watch Alan Yates. <laughs> He's know? like a 15 year old. In a, He's in a 15 year old sponge. He is soaking up everything. <laughs> But it was so good to see him not succeed. In That's Texas. the same thing I said. Yes. It was good to see that because you could see how he responded to it. Mm -hmm. You know, he didn't like it, but you can see now it's really driving him. Well, and the light came on, though, because I think that a lot of the at fingertips information breathes a different breath on what they think it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. So that's and funny. I'm glad you just, val Alan Yates, man, I was just validated. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's great to see. And, you know, you can see him. I, I laugh. It's like he's becoming a celebrity. You know, <laughs> everybody, he's on every flipping podcast and he's, he's all around the country. You know, but what's it's great. What's funny about yeah. that, and, and he and I were having this conversation is it's the and him and and uh brandon goodwin the hunting student it, i think uh -huh. it's the way that they've gone about it like the humbleness that they've come into it with brandon not to compare the two brandon's on another he's on another plane intellectually right like this guy is as analytical as anybody can be and he is going to analyze everything he sees and hears to figure it out and alan <clears throat> is that go-getter doer right i okay i'm gonna go get this done and this is how i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do 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 um but the way he's that a wedge they, buster yeah the, <laughs> the way that both of them have gone about their pursuits in totally different ways but have landed on the same road with just i, I don't even know how to explain it man it's actually ignited something in me and it's it's very inspirational to watch them go, you know, to the lengths they have to learn. And and for a grown man, I mean, they're both, Alan's pushing 40, Brandon's, you know, over 40. For them to both humble themselves enough at that age to so, say, I know nothing. There's not a lot of people that are willing to do that. Yeah, I say it all the time. You got to be smart enough to know how dumb you are. And once you realize that and you don't try to say something that's not true just because you're trying to look smart, you know, set back, soak it up, ask questions, you know, don't. And like I say, that's a good thing about Alan. He went down there and, I, you know, you've been on every hunt. You, you've already got the truck packed on the way back with the horns hanging out. You know, you, you know, you're going to be successful. That's your plan. But to go down there and you could see through the you know, procession of the videos that he was getting frustrated and down. And the fact is, after he left. He's come back. He looks like he's more determined now when he went. And I, and I hope he tags out. I know he's supposed to be hunting sometime in October with uh, one of the other guys that we all talk on Instagram. But um, but it's that type of thing. And we're sitting here talking about it. And I'm thinking about my buddy who is losing the fire. I'm like, you should, you know, 
listen to this guy. Be this guy, man. I, and I told him, I said, get a hobby, get something. I said, if you're that dead inside, that you don't <laughs> enjoy this. He said, I don't like doing anything. I said, well, keep doing something until you find something you like. You know, but if somebody would get into the hunting, and I understand you're taking a life and you cannot minimize that whatsoever. But, you know, you're also feeding your family and you're doing something that is about as primal as you can get. You know, we're, we're all animals at the end of the day and animals hunt <laughs> and, and animals eat. And I'm, yeah, I don't want to get all political here, but, you know, when you start getting the people that I don't know how you hunt, I don't know how you kill. And we're sitting there eating a burger together. I'm like, you know, the difference between, and this was in a real conversation with my sister-in-law. I said, the only difference with you is I kill it with my hands. You kill it with your wallet. And she said, you know, I never thought of it that way. Like, yeah. <laughs> And I said, guess what? I shop in God's organic section. You don't know where they came from. <laughs> yeah, we're partaking you know? the same in the same. <laughs> right. And and honestly, I mean, here we go with the cliches and everything. But it's look at the life that, you know, a farm raised animal or a oh, brutal. Farm, ranch, right? Those those factory yeah. type deals, you know, not all of them. There's some there's some great ones out there. Right. Free range, et cetera, et cetera. Um but if you if you contrast that, how are how are they benefiting from you not doing it with your own hands? Right. I mean, there's just. Yeah. And there's no steroids. There's no anything. It is as organic as you can get. And if you want to run the organic flag, well, guess what? I win. <laughs> I've got you. Mine ate grass, beans and corn. You know, and but it's like the the light went off when I when I told her that I'm like you know you're just killing it with your you're paying somebody else to kill it so your hands aren't clean honey and you know so that I'll get off my soapbox guys. no 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 I like it I like it <laughs> yeah it, that's a that whole conversation it just amounts to I think exposure Sheep like being sheep, which I always say, right? Because you, 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 it's almost like a programming, right? You hear it so much. Oh, it's horrible. It's horrible. It's horrible. It's horrible. But it, it really isn't, you know? And I, I think a lot of it, I want to say it's 75% of folks in the States aren't opposed to hunting for me, right? And the small percentage that is 100% against it, you know, are totally vegan, don't want nothing to do with it. We're never going to get through that. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but well, I think... Ask them this question, Guy. Ask them if they grow their own food. And if they don't grow their own food, they're guilty. Right. Even if they are, Plus, right? Because you're going to use something, whether it's organic herbicides or things like that, you're going to use something to kill the pest that are harming those crops, I, you well, know? Exactly. But how... I don't know how often you get out, you know, you're in construction, I don't know what you see, but I've been out on job sites where they're knocking down trees and I, this is a God's honest truth. There was a hawk that would land in whatever tree they were sawing and he would ride it halfway down and he would watch whatever squirrel came out of the tree and he would get that squirrel when that tree hit and that squirrel went running. 
I mean, <laughs> it doesn't matter. When you cut down corn, there's rabbits, there's field mice. Animals are dying. You know, it's, it's nature. We're all in the circle of life. And, and so and that's what I, and my sister's a vegan. And I've had that conversation with her. I'm like, unless you're growing these plants out here and you know where they came from and you know what's underneath of them, your hands aren't clean. You know, okay, I got a question for you. Why do you hunt? Everybody says, oh, feed my family. Why do you hunt? That's not the reason. Um, That's not me either. I love it. Yeah, I just, there is something inside me that burns to do it. I mean, that's the easiest way for me to explain it. Um, Yep. I can't imagine at this point in life not doing it. Um, Me neither. And it... Yes, it's about filling my tags, right? I'm not going to act like... That's why you're doing it, yeah. But there is something about just being out there in my own head. I've said that before. In my own head, challenging myself, trying to get on that level to make it happen. Um, And you had said it earlier, right? And And I've tried to put a finger on it for a while, right? But that primal draw and then the connection to the land and just being out in God's creation is something that I find second to nothing else I've ever experienced. Yeah. And the only part of it I don't like, and some people for some God forsaken reason like it is actually field dressing the animal. I love it. I hate it. I love the smell. Uh, well, you and I are going to part ways there, but <laughs> maybe my cuts were too deep. You, I don't know. It is. It was funny because I was thinking about thinking about something last night, and no, I was watching a video. I was sitting there. I walked in the house after podcast, and I walked in the house, sat down with the wife on my chair, and it was like, "Oh, let me watch. What is this? Let me watch this." And uh, the gentleman was doing the gutless method. And soon as I saw, I kid you not, as soon as I saw the steam come off of the carcass, <laughs> I noticed the smell like mentally somehow. Yeah. Right. Yep. And mm-hmm. there is something, I don't know what it is. It goes to that primal. <laughs> there's something about that smell that is just, I, I don't mind it. I'm not saying that I love it, but it's part of that experience. Right. For me. Yeah. Um, no, no, I understand that. You know what yeah. I mean? I've, I've never tried to do that gutless method method. Uh, Cause I mean, where I hunt most of the stuff, I can get my truck to it, you know, drag it where I don't have to drag it a long way. And I just grab it, throw it in the field, throw it in a truck and take it to the processor and he even skins it. But, um, but yeah, it, it's that type of thing where you're so unsuccessful the majority of the time. I mean, if you think if you're out for a week, elk hunting, you know, how often are you going to be successful? You're lucky if one stock, you killed some. And so if you take all those days, all those times I hunt, I've got like three months to to deer hunt. I probably hunt at least 35 days out of those three months. I'm out there at some point. That's a lot. Well, I killed, I think, three deer last year in Virginia. So you do the math on that. Less than 10% at 35 loved, days for three. I loved every minute I was out there. You know, it's exciting when you pull up because there's could be deer crossing the 
the road going in. You know, where'd they go? Oh God, they ran towards my stand. <laughs> you know, it's that type of stuff. And then you you park and you start changing your clothes, you get that last sip of coffee, and then put your headlamp on and head across the to your stand. And you know, 15, 20 minutes later, hour later, whatever it is, boom, sun starts rising. You're you know, and I've told you that before. I mean, a cool fall day with the leaves, it looks like the the farm's on fire, yellow, red, orange leaves, frost, and you see a little bit of steam coming up. There is no, I say all the time, God paints, and that's what that is. I mean, it is like a portrait, and there is nothing in the world like listening to the world wake up. Nothing. And you, you just cannot beat it. And people don't get to see it. You know, my wife said, yeah, I got up early. I was drinking coffee and I, you know, that was so beautiful when the sun came up. Well, yeah, behind the neighbor's house. (laughs) Get up and come with me. I'll take you to a stand. It's easy to get to and it's more comfortable, you know, or watch the sun go down. You cannot beat it. I mean, you can solve the world's problems in a deer stand. Oh, man. <laughs> I can't say about a deer stand, but I know sitting on top of a mountain or a ridge. Yeah. And you, you well, know. Yeah, y'all take your gun for a walk out there and sit down, catch your breath, and call it glassing. But ah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, but that's what it is. I mean, it's as primal as you can get. You're just, you're an Indian out there on the plane. That's all it is. You know, you said something there too. And I, I remember, I don't know, years back, early Instagram days and we were up in the Sierras and I was looking at this old log and cut, right. And I'm sitting kind of at the top of it. And I was like, man, this is a nice, a nice view. And I sat down to have some lunch and I remember snapping a picture of it and man, I probably could find that post. And, uh, and I posted on there. One of the things that I love about hunting is I get to see things on a micro level that most people will never experience because they're stuck on the freeway driving to and from, right? We get to see things and hear things and feel things that most people will never ever experience. And when I hear people hate on hunting, um, I almost feel sorry for them, man. Yeah. You know, at least try it. That's all I say. Get out there and give it a fair shot. You don't have to pull the trigger. Come out and set with me. Right. See what it's about. See what it's about. See what drives me. You know, there's, yeah, I get excited about, you know, the prospects of a big buck walking out. But I'm still going to enjoy that daggone day, regardless if I see a deer. It just only makes it better if I get to see the deer. I've never left the woods pissed off. No. I mean, look at look at my season <laughs> I've been having. Right. I started, you know, our season here started, I think we're in six weeks, seven weeks now. Um, Goodness. Been out three. 16 degrees or something. Yeah. Not this year. That was last year. I think 112 was a high this year. Um, oh, that's all. And I've been getting my butt handed to me, man. Um, but I don't walk away from those stalks, those busted stalks, those missed opportunities. I don't walk away with any type of animosity or stress or anything. You know, it, no. to me, it's all growth. But it's just like, okay, I got a little bit closer. I got a little bit closer. You know, yeah. pigs busted me um, on a deer. <laughs> um, and it's just, yeah, it's just, it's so, it's so much about killing that animal, but it, it's so minute 
at the same time, if that makes any sense. Oh yeah, it is. I mean, it's, you're just a little speck of, you know, dust, but it's your world, man. And you can just look out and see that it's, it's, I love it. I can't get enough of it. You know, try to talk to wife and let me quit work and do it for a living, but it doesn't pay that well. So. Yeah. If I could figure that one out, man, I'm right there with you. Good, good on the guys <laughs> who have, uh, who have figured that one out. They work their asses off for it. You know, I don't think I could do it as much as I love to hunt. I wouldn't want to travel like that. And I sure wouldn't want to be away from mama like that. I, we part ways, <laughs> not the away from mama part, but man, what at this, at this point in my life, what I wouldn't do to be able to take up and go on some of these hunts that you see folks doing, man. I mean, it is, it's extraordinary. It is just amazing when you see some of those experiences. And, and I think that's what it amounts to, man. I, you know, you see that and yeah, they got this nice, you know, stone sheep or an Ibex or something. But as much as you look at that grip and grin, you're looking at the background of the picture going, wow, look at that. You know, look yeah. at that hill. He just had to, you know, and you, and you know what it takes to climb a mountain like that, right? The, the fortitude physically and mentally, and yeah. you can't help but wonder how you would perform in those conditions. Some of the well, that's the stuff. thing. You say fortitude physically and mentally. You've got to have the fortitude mentally to get the physical part. I mean, you just can't jump out of the truck and run up that hill. Hey, you know, no. it's going to kill you if you're in shape, and it's going to, you know. But then, just and then the mental aspect of once you get the body going, then you got to. Keep have the mind. mental aspect. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I have no desire to go on a sheep hunt, none whatsoever, but you'll never hear me knock somebody for going on one because the amount of work that you put in is unbelievable. And, you know, but it's, you know, this whole thing with fitness, it's really gone full bore into the hunting thing. And I think that social media has ruined that. I say it's ruined it. It's really brought that aspect in, which is good for everybody because you get in better shape, you know, but for what you guys do out there, you really need to be in better physical shape than an Eastern hunter for the most part. I may catch some flack from that, but I don't care because, you know, we walk to trucks and ride four wheelers. Uh, but out there, I mean, you guys are walking up and down mountains. You know, the only time it gets tough here is when you got to drag a deer out of a, a holler. <laughs> right. And you got the jet sled but, for that. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. You know, you just get a buddy and say, Hey man, come here and help me. Right. But you know, you guys have to kill yourself just to get to that point. And you know, that's, that's, that's pretty tough. And I can't imagine anybody minimizing that. A lot of it is we don't have to do it. There's there a lot of what we do is a choice based on, what we want to go through. I really, really believe that, right? Because you hear guys all the time say, man, you can kill elk, you can kill deer, you can kill this, you can kill that within a thousand yards of the road. Why would you pack in? And I think guys want to put themselves in the position to where they're out in, again, God's creation and testing themselves and putting themselves through the ringer. And it's it really is about that experience. You'll never hear a guy, matter of fact, Preston Ward, he, he was out on a hunt last week and, you know, they had some opportunities, missed opportunities. He said he got his butt kicked. He's he's revamping his pack and he's looking at how he felt 
and making the adjustments so he can go out and put himself through the same challenges. Um, and I, I could almost guarantee just a little bit. I know Preston and talking to him that he's going to challenge himself even more the next time around with these little tweaks to see how much better he can be to seal the deal. So I think a lot of it is choice. Um, and I will agree, right? There's some hype in it. But at the end of the day, if guys are choosing to go lose 40 pounds, 50 pounds, 60 pounds because they're worried about their hunt, I I got to think that they're increasing the longevity of their life, their well-being overall. So more power to them. Sure. For, you know, sure. and you said it earlier, right? The mental fortitude just to do that um, is a big deal. Yeah. And like I say, that's the one good thing about, I guess, the whole social media aspect of, and uh, the fitness is that it's gotten the majority of the people into better shape. You know, it, it helped drive me. I mean, three years ago, I was diagnosed with diabetes. And while I wasn't going to blow away in the wind, I sure needed to lose a little weight. And, uh, but it was some of the guys there that actually helped to motivate me in certain ways. And so, I'm in much better shape now and I'll be 54 here in a couple of weeks than I was at 24. It's sad to say, but, but it's a fact, the, right? That's the way it is, you know, but it took something medically to scare me, to make me do it. And now I do it. And it's part of my life. You know, I'm no fitness guru by any stretch, but you know, Stuff like that, that had it been around earlier, I probably wouldn't have been in that shape, you know, but you lose 30, 40 pounds and, you know, you start getting your, your cardio in a little better shape. I'm not dragging around packs and hiking up mountains like y'all do. And, uh, but I could imagine being in the shape I was in. First time I went to Colorado, I was gassed and I wasn't even out to get the rental car yet. <laughs> I, I'm not lying. <laughs> That's Altitude, yeah. Yeah. And, but when we got out to the, the ranch where we were staying, it was at 8,500, but I was going as high as 11,000. And, you know, I just kept water in me. If I got tired, I sat down, but I was, I could go out there today and do a hundred times better than I did then. But it took, you know, something to scare me into doing it rather than doing it because it's right. Yeah. yeah, even I'm mean, like I say, man, even with all the hype, I think the long term benefits of that pursuit, you know, I'll take the hype any day. You see that many folks working towards something to better themselves, man. Uh, sure. You know, sure. Th that's a that's another positive out of hunting as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah, it really has been. And like I say, it's the social media is as awful as it is. I hate social media, even though. You know, I'm a hound, just like most people. But, you know, there is some, there are a lot of good things because, you know, I've met a lot of really good people through. I mean, that's how I heard about you was through that. You know, I was talking to somebody, made an offhand comment that I didn't know who they were. Next thing you know, we start talking, we've become very good friends, and that's how I heard about you. And so, uh, but, you know, it's, I think you're doing a great thing and you, man. yeah. And, you know, getting involved with the, the rookies and the no names, I think is pretty good too, because it's, um, it just, I think it, it expands your audience, which I think is a good thing. 
rookies and no names, you know, whatever that means now, but that is the hunting community, right? At large, that's who we are. We're all yeah. these, you know what I mean? We're the Kurt Teasers, we're the Brandon Goodwins, the Alan Yates, the Amy Halls, the Brady and Kristen Redderaths, um, Luke Elifritz, Jonathan Metcalf. I mean, you look at all these people, that is the majority of who we are as hunters, right? And as diverse as all those people I just mentioned are in backgrounds, in life experience, in career, in family, that is who we are. And how yeah. that isn't the most powerful thing when you start talking about the hunting demographic boggles my mind that, and no offense to them, but 20 guys get all the attention. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, mm -hmm. It's crazy. It, it is absolutely crazy. And then to, to hear your story and then all those other folks' stories and you start putting this together and there's so much common ground and understanding of other people's plight and, and what they go through and their fights. It, it's so much easier to be on that level than the stuff that we envy, right? The, the guys that are getting to do those, you know, Ibex hunts and, you know, these big stone sheep hunts and mountain goat hunts, you know, two, three times a year. Uh, a lot of folks can't relate to that, you know, no. as much as we love it. And we, we live vicariously through all that. There's no relation there. No, I agree with you. And that's, that's a good thing. It's because, you know, we're your audience, you know, you're us. I know that. I mean, it's, you, you're a normal guy too. And that's the thing you're, you know, you, I think that's the draw for you is that even the, the, uh, the people that you bring on are down to earth too. So it's, it's a pretty cool little community. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that, man. I, it's hard sometimes cause you go, I wonder if it's even, if it's even making a difference, you know, how many people care to listen to my ass, <laughs> but then I talk well, to you, you know what I mean? The more folks I talk to, the more important it becomes to keep driving. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I'm sure that, you know, people that don't listen to you that know me will listen to this. And if they get their way through the whole thing without checking out, cause they've heard the same crap out of my mouth for years, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you know, they may say, you know what, I am going to try that, you know? And so it's, it's one of those things that, you know, if you get, you know, one a show and then they get one down the road and it just keeps multiplying you know, it's a great thing. Oh, heck yeah. I love it, man. It's been so much fun. <laughs> oh, I bet. I bet. Yeah. You got to start doing video because you're so damn good looking. They're going to have to put you on YouTube or something, man. I, you know, I keep saying I had set up when I had redone the, the man cave studio garage thing I got going here. I said, all right, I'm gonna get into this video stuff. And, and it's just hard. It's so time consuming, man. And then I dump out three episodes a week. I know, man, you're humping on those episodes. And, uh, it, it, it's just super time consuming. So balancing that now with hunting season. But I, what I really want to do is the folks that are taking time out of their day, especially with the Tap Tuesday episodes, is once I get to use those products, um, some I buy. Some folks are like, you know, hey, I'll send it. I don't ask for anything. Um, right. I want to be able to give my opinion of those products. Sure. Right. And at least yeah. give back to them. Um and I, and you know, I'm going to be honest about them, right? I'll never slam them, but I'll be honest about the use. 
So yeah, maybe there's some risk in it, right? And maybe it not, may not work for my scenarios, uh, but it might work for, you know, a dozen other folks. So that I did think about, you know, um, starting to do that video thing. So I think after season, that's something that I'll be chopping up with and oh, cool. maybe go run down the uh, run down the list. Well, I tell you what, if I can make one recommendation for a new, I mean, for a repeat show, mm -hmm. go back to your first show, get Jeff Moran on there. You know, Jeff and I have been talking about doing it. He's, you know, he's a busy dude. He's uh, hard to spend down, isn't he? Yeah, he's a busy dude. But yeah, Jeff, uh, Jeff is next level, man. He's like, hey, I'm going 17 <laughs> miles in. <laughs> he's a nut job. Yeah. Yeah, but a really good dude, man. A good heart. I mean, just a, another one of those guys, man, that's a a soul for a soulful hunter. Um, yeah. You know, he's he's completely in his element when he is out there. Yeah, he's a hard charger. There's no doubt. But and then that beard, dude. He has the prettiest man beard in the world, right? That guy's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and he says it's natural. I'm not sure I believe all that. There's no way that's natural. Nobody else has one. But he just, yeah, he, he he has a comb. He said he told me the comb is. Uh, he found a comb. <laughs> yeah, it's on made Amazon. out like a bow and arrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he just comes. That I, well, as a little throwback, I saw one at Marshalls one time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I told him he I'm should like, get with, he should get with that comb company and find some beard oil company and he he'd be a millionaire. All he'd have to do is well, be a beard model, man. Well, that's all he could be. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but I'd like to hear him again. He's he, he was a fun listen. Yeah, I'll uh, well, I'm sure we'll end up doing another episode. You know, it's just it's hard, right? Getting scheduled to meet, and then I keep I try to keep my backlog. I got a board here, man. I got. One, two, three. I got a shit, 13, 14 names on it that I'm still trying to get on the schedule. Oh, wow. Um, and I got to keep them, right? I mean, you figure 13, 14 names, that's only a couple weeks for me. <laughs> yeah, man, you throw them out. Goodness yeah. gracious. You know what, though? It, it's, it's as time consuming as it is. I, I don't want to sound like complaining because, I, you know, it's self-inflicted. But it's just it's just good fun, man. And to hear these stories, it's it's inspirational and it keeps me motivated. And it honestly, especially with, you know, in the off season, it fills a void, you know, of sure. not being out there. So it's yeah, it's been great, man. I can't believe I think you're going to be episode 102. I didn't realize until today I was doing another ECA episode and I looked oh, wow. and I saw the uh, TNK hunting gear, Tyler and uh I was looking and I was like, oh man, I did a hundred episodes. I was like, heck yeah, it was a milestone. And didn't wow, even didn't great. even realize it, man, because you're, you know, you finish one and you're on to the next one. You keep the tidbits that that you that you jot down because it's like, okay, there's a little pearl there. Let me write that down. And then it's just it's on to the next one. You know, grab these stories and and that's the cool part. You'd be a and I'm sure, I mean, you're a regular listener. There's not many episodes that I don't take something away from. Um, and I love it. It's like, wow, I didn't even, you know, I didn't think of this or, oh man, that's great info. So that part of it is just. Well, that's good. That means phenomenal. you're listening too. Oh, man, you're not phenomenal. just talking. So that's, well, a, you know, that's, right. that's hard to do. Just be a listener. <laughs> yeah. It, it, what's the point, right? If you're just letting somebody ramble, you're rambling and there's no heartfelt conversation. It's just, you know, right. It, it just doesn't go anywhere for me. So, um, What's your 2019 looking like, man? Are you out of state this year or is that just all at home? Uh, well, in Virginia, in, in the county I live in, they just started last year and 
early urban archery season. And it starts the first Saturday of September. And so, and it's doe only. So I'll, I'm going to try to get out a little bit then. But uh, the first week of October, I'll be out in New Mexico rifle elk hunting. Yeah. And um, like I said, that's a good bunch of guys. I've, we've gone, we've been hunting with these guys off and on for about 10, 15 years. And it's a father and a son outfitter. And we started off hunting with them. Well, before I even started hunting with them, the other guys were elk hunting in New Mexico on the same ranch. And uh, I went to uh, Texas and I had the most fun I've ever had in my life. Uh, After we shot our, after we tagged out our bucks, we, he knew somebody had a ranch and you've heard all the helicopter uh, hunting. Uh We were helicoptering hogs and, Oh, no way. uh, and coyotes i'm telling you <laughs> this guy had a i think it was a forty thousand acre ranch and he did not work he was a cattle rancher which is work obviously but he uh he had or i would assume he still has oil wells and windmills and he made like a million dollars a month royalties off of off of them so he was paying the bills and he had a helicopter and he went out there, my guy knows him, and told him he had some guys that wanted to go. So he opens the door to the hangar, pulls the helicopter out, takes the doors off the back, this four-door helicopter, and just <laughs> commenced to flying across the ranch. And, you know, you see him, he'll tell you, don't, uh, don't shoot till I tell you. And, boy, he'll tilt you right in there on that helicopter, and you just let her fly. Oh, man, I'm green with envy. <laughs> Because that was the most fun I've yeah, ever had. That looks like a blast. Yeah. And uh yeah, so that was that was fun. But anyway, we're going to New Mexico with these guys again. And the ranch we hunt, it's actually in three different units out there. It's it's a huge ranch. It's over a hundred thousand acres. And uh and there's six of us that go and three or four of us are regulars and a couple other people feed in. But it's nothing fancy. I mean it's it's a guided hunt, but it's uh, it's just a blast. Good people, good fun. And I come back from that. And the day we come back is the first day bow season here in Virginia. But since I'm going to be gone a week, actually the day after I get back is my anniversary. So I'll probably take that day off. Probably. <laughs> probably <laughs> but, means yes, mama. Probably. <laughs> that's a, that's a heavy probably, <laughs> but, um, now nah, she's good about it. Um, so I, and then, and then it's on for me. I don't think I'll go anywhere uh, out of town, but one time though, until deer season's over in January. And that'll be, I go to my sister's, we go down to North Carolina. It's a tradition for Thanksgiving. And it kills me to take those two days off of hunting, but I do it to keep the wife happy. And so that's, that's my season, but I'm looking forward to it because like I say, you've, I've sent you some good pictures. You've seen some some nice bucks. So knowing that they're running around and my dumb butt will be in a tree waiting for them to get within range is I'm excited right now, baby. Heck yeah, man. It's, and it's right yeah. there, right? I mean, temper- I've got about a 40 minute ride. And I tell you what, when I get out there, and I, I guess maybe you're talking around the corner, but it is the whole time. I mean, you're playing every scenario everywhere I could go. 
And if I get out there and somebody else has got the stand I'm planning on going to, you know, I've got to have plan B, plan C, or I'll just go off the rails and go someplace that's not even on the board, you know, but it's that excitement and I've got 40 minutes to figure out the game plan. And then it's just, it's full bore on. So you get my heart racing now, man. Good man. Look at a good misery likes company. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I was gonna, I was thinking about going out this weekend and, and try and, you know, seal the deal on this deer, man. And I just, I'm so worried about stepping away from my preparation for my elk hunt that I'm like, I don't, I think I'm gonna eat this tag. Um, mm. and I don't know. Yeah. Cause it's, well, I mean, can't you justify that you're stalking and you're shooting as part of that preparation? No. Test run, baby. No, I, <laughs> I've probably packed and unpacked my pack 10 times. I got to make sure my boy and his, you know, he's a hundred percent new gear, new pack, new everything. Um, right. And making sure that he's ready. I, I really want him to arrow an elk, man. Whether it's a cow or a bull, I really want him to get some antlers. But, um, and I'm just worried about it, you know, because after that, yeah, we got some family stuff to follow in weekend and then it's on. We're gone. So, wow. yeah, I'm a little reluctant to go. I'm willing to eat the tag, but I'm not willing to eat it at the same time to the risk of losing that, uh, that big boy there. But, you know, got some decisions well, to make in the like next 24 hours. <laughs> I think you can justify it as practicing your spotting and stalking and yeah. arrowing a, an animal. The elk is, it's a different game. Aim small, miss small. You're aiming at a smaller target. You're actually practicing. I don't, well, all right. You know my motto on that, right? Aim small, F missing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just trying to help you out, brother. I mean, tag soup's no fun. Yeah. I, I think with this elk thing, I, I, I think I'm going to be okay with it. I really, I, what I'm not okay with, and I'm not going to BS, is if I don't come back with a notch tag, I will, and I'm very rarely disappointed about that. I think there's, I've put so much pressure on myself. I think I'll be making that, you know, 17, 18 hour drive pretty freaking disappointed. So, yeah, it's you a know, long way home after yeah, something oh, like that. Oh, man. <laughs> but is it just the two of you? You're going with other guys? Yeah, it's just the two of us. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be great, man. I was stoked that he wanted to jump in on this, you know, when I got back from Wyoming. And he saw that film and he goes, oh, dude, I got to do this. So, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. It's all yeah, get up about that, back. man. So cool. conservation quick, man. You know, you got to drop it. Um, you know, give us your give us your 30 second, one minute spiel on conservation. Well, I'm the two pronged attack. I mean, your BHAs and all that, those are good. but I'm a leave it better than you found it, you know, pick up trash. When I'm out shed hunting, I pick up more trash than I pick up horns and I take a backpack with me. It's completely packed. And I guess it was about 11 or 12 years ago. I was out shed hunting and I found a piece of five foot long PVC electrical conduit. I found that while I was out and just picked it up. And to this day, it goes with me on every trip into the woods when I'm shed hunting or checking my trail cameras, I use it for snakes or for spider webs. You know, it's just that type of thing. And every time I pick it up, I remember, you know, it's about picking up trash. You know, it's not just a tool at this point. It actually is a reminder. You know, I, I've never been one to litter. I can't stand when people litter. 
You know, I've had arguments with people over. I don't like to see somebody throw a piece of gum out. I secretly wish they get it on their tire if they throw it out the car window, <laughs> you know, and, and sometimes I actually, I vocalize that, but, you know, leave it better than you found it and said it a few times, hunter recruitment. That's conservation as far as I'm concerned, because if we don't have enough people, then they're going to lose the fight. And, you know, yeah, you want your, you know, you want to be able to do it, but there's a lot uh, future generations, you know, <laughs> all goes well. There'll be a lot more people after us that need to experience it. And that's, that's really my things. Leave it better than it found and try to get somebody into hunting. Agree with both. I very rarely disagree with anything anybody brings up in conservation, but yeah, those are hugely important. So anything in closing, man, anything you like to get out there, anything we missed, uh, any more yeah. mess talking about, uh, us being better than you. Well, like I say, you know how evolution was. We conquered the East coast and we shoved y'all out to the West and, you know, and we kept the good stuff here and let you guys run, run across the mountains. We kept it close. We don't have to kill ourselves to get it. So, uh, yeah, don't come out here anymore. Chasing. And every rifle doesn't have a vortex scope on it or the guy's not wearing Sitka behind it. Oh, when you guys start making that transition and figure out that, uh, we're doing it right, man. We'll, we'll have that conversation again. Well, I don't have either one. And so, uh, and I won't do it really probably out of just cause I made that statement. <laughs> got to stand the ground, buddy. Got to no, stand man. Everybody's just got to get along. We're all on the same team at the end of the day. Yep, that's, that's the way it. I look at it. Heck yeah. So, Heck yeah. As fun as it is to poke fun. Yes, sir. Got to have a sense of humor. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, you know, I appreciate the time, man. Uh, that goes oh, without saying, but I got to say it. And uh, yeah, thank you very much, man. It's been great talking to you and keep uh, supporting those Tap Tuesday uh, businesses, man. <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I appreciate making a difference in uh, those families' lives through you. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks to you. They're, they're paying their bills, too. Heck yeah, man. Heck <laughs> All yeah. right. Appreciate stuff, it, guys. Brother. We'll talk to you, man. All right, man. We'll talk to you. Bye. Bye. You can catch up with Kurt on Instagram at Kurt underscore Teaster. Thank you for listening. Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down. Hey everyone, this is Andrew with Sasquatch Fuel. If you're heading into the backcountry this season and you need some meals that don't bog you down, check out sasquatchfuel.com. Our 100% compostable packaging was designed to combat litter in the backcountry. For more information on conservation in action, head to sasquatchfuel.com. Hey guys, enter code Western Contours at checkout and save a few bucks off your order.